Awesome. Well, everyone, this morning we're gonna we're gonna talk about Jesus, <laughs> and uh, I'm I'm excited about this. You know, every every week I find myself crying, not because I'm sad, but because more and more of His Word opening up regarding His kindness towards us. It is it's overwhelming how good He is. So I'm not gonna cry. You are. Just kidding. Nobody's going to cry. We're just going to enjoy Jesus. But I can find really the tenderness of his presence is so sweet. And I'm just so thankful to his word that he continues to open it up. And as his word unveils to us, really, we get a clear picture of who he is. So this morning, our prayer this morning is that we would see Jesus for who he is. Right? And that's why we have the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. So this morning, thank God that you're not just stuck with what I say or what I don't say. You have the teacher living on the inside of you. And he's here to reveal and unveil Jesus for who he really is. Not what religion say he is, not what people think about him, but the reality from his word of who he is. So we're going to jump into the word this morning, okay? In Hebrews chapter 1, some of you are already in 1 John 5. That's great, but we're not going there. <laughs> I hope your Bible just automatically opens there when you turn there, just, oh, 1 John 5. You got that nice little crease in there. I do that every time with my Bible. I just open it up properly right in that spot. But in Hebrews chapter 1 again, we're going to be talking about grace again and continuing along this line for a while because literally the grace of God, again, is so vast, but it's so powerful, yet it's not just a topic, it's Him. And so in Hebrews chapter 1, again, you see this, that throughout our history, our history, human, human history, God has spoken to our ancestors by his prophets in many different ways. And the revelation he gave each one of them was only a fragment at a time building one truth upon another. So what's that saying? It's that every generation throughout that history, God gave another piece to the puzzle. And you got another glimpse, and here's another glimpse. You know, you go all through the prophets until verse 2, it says, but to us living in these last days, God now speaks openly to us in the language of a son, the appointed heir of anything, everything, for through him, God created the panorama of all things for all time. So what is that saying? That Jesus really was the picture that the Father was giving those prophets and those, you know, the Old Testament saints. This is what he gave them year after generation after generation. And the beautiful picture was a son was coming. Right? You read it in Isaiah chapter 9, you know, Christmas scriptures that we read. You know, to us a son is given. And, you know, the government will rest upon his shoulder. And his name will be Wonderful, Counselor, Almighty God, Prince of Peace. You see all these things. And, you know, the Old Testament saints would go, man, this, this is exciting. Woo, what is it? Not for their time. So all of a sudden, Jesus came and literally changed everything. Now, the Father speaks to us not through a servant, but he speaks to us through a son. Now, that just shows the respect and honor that God has for the world. He openly came. Here's a son for you. So he's not interested in this distant relationship. He wants intimacy. Therefore, he sent and gave a son. Now, to live again effectively, victoriously in this time frame, we have got to understand how God speaks and how God is relating to us today. You know, a good example of this would just be, you know, anybody got an iPhone or something like that? Now, what do you got to do every year? They come up with something new. And when that time comes, you have to update the software. <laughs> yeah. What happens if you don't update? You're, it stops working. Well, uh, my question is, your software updated spiritually speaking? Because when Jesus came, he updated the software. And you and I have to be on the same terms 
with the software. Otherwise, we're going to have a very frustrating relationship with our Heavenly Father. You're trying to relate to God on a flip phone, and God's using the next best thing. And here you are trying to like, you know, you got to hit three times to get C. Oh, man. That's why I didn't text. I had no idea how. A, B, C. Okay. So even spelling the word like cat, A, T, T. And you know, it's just a mess. So thank God the software got updated. Now I can go C-A-T. No big deal, right? I can even send you a picture of a cat if I wanted to. I didn't have a phone till I was 18. Did you know that? I know. I know. I had a rough upbringing. I know. I know. Okay. But again, what's the frustration? Again, the frustration comes when our software is not up to date with what the Father is operating and speaking by. So we have to be on the same page with him. And so again, like we said, Jesus changed the software. So in John chapter 1, verse 17, again, familiar verse that you know. But look at this. I want you to see some of this terminology. The law was given. Now just think, flip phone, was given through Moses. But now God's unfailing love, say that with me, unfailing love and faithfulness came through Jesus Christ. There's a whole nother dispensation that came in. A whole nother software came in. So are we up to date to how the Father is relating, how the Father is connecting, how the Father is speaking, how the Father even expects of you to this day? Because if we're operating by the old, we're still going to be very frustrated because God's not there anymore. Now... Again, let's talk about the two differences here for a moment. The law, again, was given through a servant. Grace was given through a son. The law talks about what man ought to be. Grace reveals who God is. The law, under the law, God demands righteousness from sinfully bankrupt man, while grace, under grace, God provides righteousness as a gift. Under the law, God said this, look at this in Exodus chapter 34, verse 7. So this again is talking about under the law. He says, by no means, or uh, go keeping mercy for a thousand, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, by no means clearly the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. What is God saying? That there is going to be some generational pass downs of curses and sins. And you know what I hear a lot of times in the church? Generational curses. Oh, that my dad had that, so I had that. I'm going to give it to my kid. My kid's going to give it to his kid. They they make such a huge talk about generational curses, but under grace, God says this in Hebrews chapter 8, verse 12. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their lawless deeds. I will remember no more. So for us to keep going, well, my dad had this. You know, my mom did this. My great mom had this. You go on and on. Stop it. That's talking old stuff. You're under a brand new dispensation called grace. And now under grace, he says, I won't remember it anymore. And here's the good, even better news is, neither will you. So now, does does that mean, of course, you may have to work some things out in your own soul. That's not what I'm saying. You may be dealing with some things. But the truth is, stop living in this, well, my dad had it, so I guess I got to live with it. No, I got a new dad. His name is the Heavenly Father. That's the, that's the lineage that I come from. So we have to shift our thinking. And of course, again, we have to work some things out. But don't do it from this place of the law. I guess I just got to suffer through this. No, you are under grace. And Jesus absorbed the curse of the law upon himself to set you free. All right. Now, the law, again, the focus is man-centered. 
The focus is on what you must accomplish. Under the law, you are disqualified by your disobedience. Under the law, you are made right when you do right. Now, under grace, the focus is who? Come on, everybody. That was five of us. Who's the focus? Jesus. It's Jesus-centered. The focus is on what he has accomplished. Under grace, I am qualified because of Jesus' obedience. Under grace, I am right when I believe right. Now, again, you cannot mix these two covenants. You cannot put new wine in an old wineskin. It will not work. Okay? Because of the finished works of Jesus and the old covenant that God has finished for us on our behalf through the works of Jesus, he actually set it aside. It has expired. The software is out of date. So now, again, grace is here. Say that with me. Grace is here. Now look at this John 1.17 in the New King James Version. It says like this, For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So now what's here? Grace is here. Say that with me again. Grace is here. It's here, it's here, it's here. This is the good news. This is actually the gospel that grace is now present. Oh, man. All right. Romans 6, 14. You know, one of our messages, have you heard about the new software yet? That's the message we have. Have you heard about the new software? God's not mad anymore. There was a time he was mad, absolutely. He was ticked right off because of the iniquity in the sins of the world. So what did he do? He put it all on his son, Jesus. So now if you look at God, if everybody, sometimes if you just look up, people have this perspective, you know, perspective of God, he's angry, he's ready to hurt, you did this, he's going to whoop. Man, you got to look up and see a happy God. Do you know how many people don't think he's happy? Listen, you, know, you read, I think it's Psalm 66, but you could actually read that where it says the countenance of his face towards us. In the Hebrew, it really brings out that word countenance. It's explaining that when God looks at you, it's like you and I holding a little baby. And what do you, what do, you do when you hold a baby? How are you doing? It's so good to see you. How are you doing, little buddy? <laughs> do we not do that to get a reaction out of that child? Well, it says our heavenly father, his countenance towards you is just like that. Good morning. How are you doing today? So good to see you. Good morning. Wake up this morning. Oh, it's such a great day. And we just go, oh, wow. Yeah. We have to learn to live under that. That's the countenance of his face towards us. Now, sin is no longer your master. Why is sin no longer my master? Because I no longer live under the requirements of the law. So again, why is sin no longer my master? Because I do not live under the requirements of the law or that performance-based software where it's all based on what I do, how I behave, how I act. I'm free from that because did you know, you can read that in 1 Corinthians 15, but the law gives sin life. Does that make the law bad? No. It just shows the reality of where we were. But now instead... You live under the freedom of God's grace. That's where I live. Say, that's where I live. Yes. All right. Now, again, we have got to allow the Spirit of God to give us revelation to live in the freedom of God's grace, and that will set us free from dead works. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But religion is performance-based. Now, what we must do, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 9 We've got to take the time to establish our hearts in grace. 
You know, even the Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 20, I don't have that verse, but really, please read that for yourself. Acts 20, it's his account. Before he's going off to go to Rome, he's meeting with the the spiritual leaders, the pastors in the church of Ephesus and around that area in Turkey, modern-day Turkey. And before he goes off, he actually says, Acts 20, verse 24, I think. He says, now I give you or I leave you in the hands of God and the message of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance. What did Paul preach? The gospel. What's the gospel? The gospel is God's grace. What did he come in? What did he leave these ministers? What did he leave the church with? The message of his grace. Listen, that's huge words. I mean, before you, you know, somebody on their, you know, we call it deathbed, before they go home to be with the Lord or whatever, they always give you some last words. And what do you do? You write those things down. Well, the apostle Paul, before he knows that all I know is that chains and bonds are ahead of me. What does he give to his spiritual sons? The message of his grace. Hold on to that because, he said, there's going to be some weirdos that are going to come and distort this gospel. Meaning what? They're going to always sneak back into this performance-based mentality. They're always going to try bringing it into this church. Even 2,000 years later, what do we still got problems with? Religion. Performance. People still like, you better act right. You better be right. When the nature is sin, you can't. So what do we got to do? Change the sin nature so that, hey, rather than me just now out of obedience, I, out of my nature, I have to do this. Now under grace, you sin because you want to. So what's changed? Well, the nature's changed. So now what do we got to teach at the church? Renew our mind to the gospel of grace. When you hear how kind he is, it leads you to change the way that you live. That's the good news. Not be better, work harder, stir up more willpower, pray longer, read your Bible more, give more, show up to church every single day, serve every single day of the week. Do more, do more, do more, do more. And what we're doing is we're expecting more and more commitment. But what you actually see, even in Ephesians chapter 1, revelation of who Jesus is, is what actually causes you and I to want to serve. When you see him for who he is, I want to give my life to this. That's why the world thinks you're nuts, but they don't know what you know. They haven't seen what you've seen. So my dedication to the church, my dedication to the kingdom of God is fueled by my revelation of his grace towards me. The more and more I see this, the more and more, I want to give you the rest of everything I got. What do you want? What do you want? What do you want? It's because I know his grace is for me. Okay, that was off topic. Let's get back. But Hebrews 13, 9 again, he says, do not be carried about with various and strange doctrines. For it is, it is good that the heart be established by grace. And in the mirror Bible, look at this for a sec. Do not be swayed by distracting speculations. Any influence foreign to what grace communicates, even if it seems entertaining and carries the Christian label, is to be shunned. Say with me, shun. I shun that up. Because what do we do? We feast on Grace. Say with me, feast on grace and do not dilute your diet with legalism, meaning performance, because there is no nourishment left in the law. What's the use of being busy and not blessed? Not good the way they say that out. What's the use of being busy and not blessed? So legalism includes this any form of self sacrifice or self-effort with the illusion of gaining further favor from God or improving your spiritual standing with Him. How many of you are righteous with God right now? 
Now, did you know there's either 0% or 100%? You can't be like loading, 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 loading. I acted good. I acted good. I said good. I did good. Okay, Lord, I think I did it today. Only tomorrow I wake up and I had a bad dream. I got to start over 0%, 1%, 2%. No, you are either 0 or you are 100 based on what you believe about Jesus. That's it. <sighs> Notice, man, again, living under grace, he calls it Freedom. Why can we have fun in church? Freedom. Legalists will go, yeah, there's a bunch of, you know, no good, you know, a bunch of heathens out there. No, 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 no. Fine, you be stuck in your religious thing. But over here, we're enjoying Jesus. We're enjoying life. Why do your pants have holes in them? You know, we should dress a little different. Well, this, the Lord can anoint denim. <laughs> Just saying. All right, let's move on. That wasn't in my notes either. I don't know where that came from. Okay. <laughs> so again, now let's look at this. So under grace now, what is my work? Because listen, so many times we hear that word doing, we start thinking, I got to do something. Or you hear the word obey, I got to do something. Let's just go again. We, we finished it off last week a little bit going into this. But under grace, my work is to believe. This is the only work, Jesus said in John 6, 24, I believe. This is what the Father requires of you, is that you believe in the one that he has sent. 1 John chapter 3, verse 23, the same thing. What has the Father commanded you to do? But to believe on his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another. Now, let's look here again in Hebrews chapter 3. While you're turning there, right believing will bring right living. So a lot of times we're trying to act right, but the Father says, no, 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 hold up. I want you and I to believe right. When you believe right, living will follow. So stop trying to act a certain way. Stop trying to, I got to do this right. Let's get our believing in check. Because we're going to see here from Hebrews that what God actually calls disobedience is actually unbelief. So look here. So God swore, talking about the Israelites at that time, he swore an oath that they would never enter into his calming place of rest all because they disobeyed him. Now, when we hear the word disobey, we think actions. Okay? Right? Anybody else do that? I, I do that. Okay, so I'm renewing my mind. Verse 19, it is clear uh, that they could not enter into their inheritance. Notice those words. Now, we're going to get on this next week, but they could not enter into their inheritance because they wrapped their hearts in not doing things properly. They wrapped their hearts in unbelief. God used the word disobedience and unbelief interchangeably right here. And you see that in the New King James Bible. You see that in the New Living Bible. It's all over. So you have to follow this system all throughout the New Testament. Anytime you see the word obey, Switch it in your mind, even make a note in your Bible constantly, believe. Now, because God equates belief with obedience, my actions are not the first place where believing, or sorry, where belief occurs. The first place obedience to God is seen in the New Testament is believing the gospel. That's how God sees it. So you and I, we have to change the way that we think. We have to upload our software. If you're still thinking obedience is out of what I'm doing, your software is out of date. We have to upload the software. When you hear the word obey, we say... All right, some of us got to upload a little bit quicker here. <laughs> Get your Wi-Fi on, right? Turn the Wi-Fi on. All right. When we say the word obey, what do we hear? Believe. 
when you hear disobey, you, you hear unbelief. Your Wi-Fi is perfect. 5G network is delicious. Okay, now. Believing is a choice. Say that with me. Believing is a choice. So again, you can choose. You know, Romans 6.16 talks about that. You can choose whom to obey. And what does that mean, the word obey? You can choose to whom you believe. And in that case, he's talking about the old man stuck in sin in Adam's nature or the new man who's been renewed in the image of Jesus. You choose to whom you obey or you choose in whom you believe. Now, this is crucial. Believing is a choice. Don't underestimate the power of your believing. You know, we, what are we called? We are called believers. Anybody ever, you know, go somewhere and all of a sudden you hear somebody talk a certain way and you go, hey, are you a believer? Yeah, man, I'm a believer. There's certain, you know, once in a restaurant or different things like that, you hear some kind of talk and you go, hey, that, hey, I, I know that language. I, I pick that. Hey, and the question you ask is, are you, a, are you one of them? What do you mean? Are you a believer? Yeah, I'm a believer. That's who we are. So now we have to make sure that our believing lines up with the new software. Because if it's out of date, it's not going to work. You'll be frustrated. So let's make sure our believing's right. And that's why Paul pleaded with the Roman church, I plead with you that you renew your minds, that you believe according to the gospel of grace. Because if I'm not believing the gospel of grace, I'm out of whack. And eventually my living proves it. You can tell just by how people live if they believe the gospel of grace or they don't. It's very simple. It comes out of the way that they speak. It comes out of the way that they act. And it all depends on what they believe to be true. So now let's go back into this. Look again at how our relationship with the Lord began. Do you remember how good it was when you first encountered Jesus? What was that like for you? Woo! What is this? All right, let's look back here. Mark chapter 16. This is the command Jesus gave to his church as he left. He says, anyone who, who does good. Software update. Cornell, do you see this? Do you imagine these, these disciples that, I mean, not only they walked with Jesus for three years, they heard a lot of his teaching, but their whole upbringing, they could quote the Torah to you. They could understand the Old Testament. They knew the law. And all of a sudden, now it went from doing right to now believing? That's it? What do you talk, Jesus? That's way too simple. Yes, humans need it simple. Kiss, keep it simple, saint. <laughs> we have to keep it simple. Any messages, I remember hearing this, you know, uh, Kenneth E. Hagan, uh, prophet of God who passed away a number of years ago now, but one day he had an encounter with the Lord, a vision from the Lord, and the Lord told him, anytime you hear a complicated message from someone, know that it never came from me. I thought, man, that is profound. Because while, while we're, you know, sometimes we have the ooh-ah gospel, where we're looking for something so deep that we go, ooh, ooh-ah. And all of a sudden, you, how, how can I make this happen in my life? You can't. People are just trying to start to make it sound smart so that you continue to follow what they have to say. What do we need to do? Keep it simple and point people to who Jesus is. Right? Now he says, anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved, but anyone who Look at these words, refuses to believe will be condemned. You, what do you see? Believing is what? It's a choice. It's completely a choice. You can't force anybody into believing whatever you believe. It's all a choice. 
Verse 17, this is where it gets good. He says, these miraculous signs will accompany those who... So a lot of times, this is where we have, would say, denominations kind of split. Don't call it a denominational issue. It's a believing issue. What did he say? These miraculous signs will accompany those who go to, you know, a Presbyterian church, a Baptist church. Nope. You know, a charismatic or a charismaniac church. <laughs> Guilty. <laughs> it's not any about any of those things. It's all about what do you believe? These signs follow me. Why? Because I believe. So if you don't believe, they don't follow. <laughs> Can we make that really simple? Right? Well, I'm just not a special one. No, no, it has nothing about doing special. It has everything about do you believe it or not? He said, these signs will follow those who believe. They will cast out demons in my name. Do you believe that? Now, belief again. We talked about this a couple of months ago from the, the, uh, the English word. I uh, forgot those. The Saxons. Belifen, which simply means to not just believe in the sense of head knowledge, but believe to a point where it causes me to act out. Belifen. Got my accent on. Belifen. These miraculous signs will accompany those who belifen. All right. What are they going to do? They will, come on, cast out demons in my name. What else will they do? They will speak in new languages. So you have a problem with tongues. Well, it's not a problem. It is... Do you believe it? Just, let's just switch it. And so how do I switch? Well, I, I want to believe it. you got to hear the good news about it. Hear about what it is, not what it's not. People are so quick to go on YouTube and on Facebook or, you know, just G, G, Google in general to find out what's wrong with speaking in tongues. And they found everything what's wrong about it instead of going to the word of God itself and get your belief from the word rather than from so-and-so who's got eight doctorates in this and PhDs on all this stuff, but yet has never spoken in tongues once in his life. If he doesn't speak in tongues, no comment. Why? Because you don't believe. So what's the point of getting my information from someone who doesn't believe the Bible? You're believing your experience. That's not in my message. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> Verse 18, notice what else will happen. They will be able to handle snakes with safety. And if they drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt them. What is this all about? Do you believe that? Yeah. And then he says, they will be able to place their hands on the sick and they will be healed. Do you believe that? Yes. And if you're like, oh, not quite, that's okay. What do you do? You hear the good word, the message about Jesus' healing power and his grace towards us regarding healing. And what comes? Faith comes. I, go, I can believe that. I believe that. And you act out on it. We'll get all, we'll get all that into this. So that's what he said. Now, for you and I personally, Romans chapter 10, this is how we got into the kingdom. Verse 9, he says, if you openly declare, what do you openly declare? Jesus is Lord. And you... Come on, y'all, say the B word. Believe in your heart. Now, specifically, what do you believe? You believe that God raised him, Jesus, from the dead, you will be saved. Now, the Bible very clear, clearly lays out what you're supposed to believe. He doesn't just make it gray. Well, you know, believe once in a while or, you know, it, it doesn't really matter. No, it's very concrete. Believe this. So how many of you believe that God raised Jesus from the dead. So what did it do? It caused belief or faith, we would say, to rise up in your heart. So then you said with your mouth, Jesus 
is Lord. And the moment you did that is the moment you got saved or born again, our Christian lingo, right? Verse 10, he says it like this, for it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. So you can see it's a heart-mouth connection. This is how this whole thing operates. You heard something, and those words not just hit your eardrums on the inside, they penetrated deep into your heart, causing to belief to stir up. And what was the result? I believe that. That's faith. Responding to grace. That's the whole connection. It's a grace-faith connection, your entire earthly existence while we're down here, and then going on into eternity. So if we don't understand the grace-faith connection down here, guaranteed you will learn it up there. Because this is how the Father operates. Cool? Now, as we said a little bit earlier, or, you know, let me just back into this a little bit. I got into the kingdom of God by hearing what Jesus has done for me, and I made a choice to believe it, resulting in salvation. Now that I'm in the kingdom, it continues to work the same way. I hear about what the grace of God has done on my behalf, and I choose to believe it, resulting in kingdom fruit. I may not feel all the warmth and gooeyness that I'd like to feel when I read something, but it's not based on how I'm feeling. It's based on what he said, and I have to choose. I believe that. The word of God tells me that peace resides on the inside of me. Oh, but there's chaos all around. Oh, peace is where? Inside, I have to choose to believe that. Well, I'm having a hard time believing. Then you have to spend more time hearing God's grace of peace towards you. And when you hear it, you go, I can believe that. In all of chaos, you're normal. Okay. Now, as we said, in the church world, there is so much performance that always tries to sneak back in. There's always this, I have to do, I got to, man, I got to just work hard. If I can, Lord, if I, when I get rid of this addiction, then I'll serve you. No, that's not how this works. Lord, if I can just, you know, stop acting or stop being mean, like to everybody I see, then I'll serve you. That's not how this works. He wants you right where you're at. And in his grace and in his kindness is going to change you and I. Now notice this again, Galatians chapter 3, these are very good verses for you to read. In every translation you can find, get it on the inside of you. He says, oh foolish Galatians, oh foolish, he's talking to the church folk. Who has cast an evil spell on you? These are big words. Who put a spell on you? For the meaning of Jesus Christ's death was made as clear to you as if you had seen a picture of his death on the cross. Let me ask you another question. Did you receive... The Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses. Now, what's the law of Moses? Performance-based religion. Did you do something? Did you work hard in order to get or receive the Holy Spirit? Of course not. You received the Spirit because you believed the message you heard about Christ. Right? Verse 3. How foolish can you be after starting... Listen, starting, what does that starting mean? Starting your new lives in the spirit. Talk about your born again experience, accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You started so well. Why are you now trying to become perfect by your human effort? Or another way you could say it, why are you practicing the DIY method? 
We see it all over. It's all over TLC. DIY this, DIY. And that's great. You got, I mean, I wish I was a DIY guy when it comes to building decks. Lord have mercy. Just a hammer and a nail would be great to learn how to use. <laughs> I'm a little bit more better than that, but okay. <laughs> but why are you working so hard in your DIY method trying to become perfect in your own self? He says it's stupid. Verse 4, have you experienced so much for nothing? Surely it was not vain, was it? Then verse 5, I ask you again, does God give you the Holy Spirit, and I love this part, and work miracles among you because you obey the law or you performed a certain way? I worshiped like this or I read this much or I was nice to so-and-so? No! Say with me, no! Why not? It is because you believe Say with me, I believe the message about Christ. That's why God shows up in a service. It's not because of how good I treated my wife nicely on Mother Day as I got into the car to church. This has nothing to do with it. It has nothing to do with my performance. Because listen, if I live by the law, then Christ died in vain and my faith is useless. What's the point of having faith? If I can twist God's arm somehow to doing good enough works that he performs miracles in people's lives. Oh God, I just want you to show up. So I'm going to fast all week for you to show up next week, Sunday. Ludicrous. The motive is off. The motive is wrong. Now, if the Lord leads you that way, great. But if you're doing it, try to get something from God. You missed it. And if this, you're back in the old software. It don't work. Now, it matters what I believe. Say it with me. It matters what I believe. Now, Jesus, or we could say grace himself, has access through my believing. We have to give him access. Grace needs an access point. Grace is all over this planet. It's all here. But how come some people haven't accepted this grace? How come some people are still not going to heaven yet? They haven't given grace access to come into their heart where they can respond in faith. That's the problem. So grace needs access. And I'm going to show you three stories here, and then I will be done. So Matthew chapter 8, verse 5. Look at this. We're going to read a couple of these stories. But when Jesus returned to Capernaum, a Roman officer came and pleaded with him, Lord, my young servant lies in bed paralyzed and in terrible pain. Jesus said, I will come and heal him. But the officer, now I want you to know what's speaking. The officer, we know the officer but what of him is speaking? His belief is speaking right here. Because again, you speak what you believe. This is, if I could jump fast forward four weeks from now, this is the spirit of faith. I have believed, therefore I speak. That's it. And you can't necessarily teach the spirit of faith. The spirit of faith has to be caught. You catch what the spirit of faith is. And what is a spirit of faith? I heard something from the word. I believed it. Therefore, I speak the word. But all of this looks totally opposite. No, no, no. I hold fast to what the word says. Now, this is what his belief is saying. He said, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come into my home. Again, he was a Gentile, Jesus being a Jew. Just say the word from where you are, and my servant will be healed. Ha. Oh. Verse 9, I know this. Say with me, I know this. His belief is talking. I know this because I am a man under authority of my superior officers, and I have authority over my soldiers. I only need to say, go. 
And what happens? They go, come. And they come. This to me is spiritual enlightenment. Go. Sickness. Demons. Go. Come. Healing. If it's not there, what do you got to do? You got to call for it. When my kids are in the basement playing and it's dinner time, yo, kids, come. What happens? They come. Well, the same way, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. The righteous, there's so many blessings, but the righteous, they take it by force. Come, healing. Come, money. Come, job. I believe the Lord is for me. I need you. The Lord has need you. It all comes from our voice. It's a voice-activated gospel. Now he's saying, go and they go, come and they come. And if I say to my slaves, do this, they do it. (laughs) There's so much in this to unpack, but I can't for today. When Jesus heard this, he was disappointed. Oh, man, he went. Sometimes we kind of just think Jesus is King James. Oh, very well done, very well done. It's very well done. Man, I believe Jesus. Man, he not only is Jesus a teacher, he's a preacher. He's probably like, whoa, are you? That's what I'm talking about. He was amazed. And then he turned to those who were following him. Guess what? I haven't seen what? Faith like this. Belief like this in all of Israel. And he's talking to his people about a Roman. Those Jews are probably like, man, stupid Roman. Like, what this? We're supposed to be like this. <laughs> And then skip down to verse 13. Then Jesus, after he gave his little you know, speech to the Jews, he turned to the Roman again, and he says, go back home because you, say it, me. me. He personalized it because you believed it has happened. And the young servant was healed that very same hour. It matters what you believe. You don't see the Roman centurion, Lord, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll do this. I'll, you know, I'll, I'll do your laundry for a week. And then, yeah, I, I, maybe you could do something for me. It's the wrong, wrong way. His goodness is always first. We are simply responders to the grace. <laughs> All right, look at this next one. Mark or Matthew chapter nine, for next page over. There's so many of these. I actually just, you know, I typed up the word believe in my, you know, cross-reference thing on the internet. And there were so many instances just in the New Testament alone. I mean, you go back in the Old Testament, it's all filled with believing. Now, it says this, after Jesus left the little girl's home of whom he just raised from the dead because of their parents' belief. <sighs> Got to throw that in there. Then Jesus now, two blind men followed along behind him shouting, son of David, have mercy on us. They went right into the house where he was staying. So notice, Jesus didn't just kind of stop and kind of say, hey, we're yet. Man, they followed him. Can you see, believing makes you do crazy things. These blind guys, like, listen, they have no idea. And Jesus walked into the house where he was at. And they just kept going. Why? Because they believed something. When you believe something, nothing, no one can shut you up. No thing. There's devil will throw obstacles. I guarantee he'll try to do everything he can to try to distract, distort. He'll do everything possible. It was easy for these guys to get offended, but they had it on the inside of them. I know him. I know what he can do. I believe in what he does. So what did he do? He caused these blind guys to go into the house where he was staying. (laughs) And Jesus asked them, do you He didn't say, did you do enough work in the, you know, the, the, the synagogue this past week? Did, did, you, did you do any work? Did you clean the toilets at least? I know you're blind, but did you do something? 
no, Lord, get out of here. You didn't do nothing. I can't help you. The only Lord only helps those who help themselves. Oh, say what? All right, anyway, move on. Do you believe I can make you see? Yes, Lord, we do. I love those words. Yes, Lord, I do. And what happened? 29. Then he touched their eyes and said to them, because of your, your faith, your believing, it will happen. Then he, there, look, verse 30, then their eyes were opened and they could see. Now, this is all throughout the life of Jesus. You see this continuously. Mark chapter 9 is another good one where you actually actually hear the words of Jesus. You had a father that had a demoniac son, and every time the demon would take hold of him, it would try to throw him in the river. It would try to throw him in a fire to, to kill this little child. And Jesus simply asked, how long has you had this? How long has you had this? Since he was a little boy. And the father said, if you can do anything, please help us and have mercy on us. Jesus went, hold on a sec. What do you mean, if I can? All things are possible to him who believes. Cause say with me. All things are possible to him who believes. Where does my believing come from? It comes from the word. It comes from this. I can't just, well, I believe this. I want this. No, you have to hear it from the word of God. What has he told you? What has he promised you by his grace? You can lay hold of that and take it. So what did the father do? Lord, I believe it. Help my what? My unbelief. What is he doing? This father has seen this child for probably a decade now, rolling into fires, rolling into water, trying to kill him. How many times has the father had to rescue his little child? Regularly. So he's at this point, like, Lord, this is beyond what I'm seeing. Help, help me with the unbelief of what I'm seeing. It's, it's too much. He, he's going in the river again. This is too much. Help me. He said, like, all that, the only access point in grace God was, I believe. And what do you see Jesus do? Jesus talked to the command of that spirit to leave, and the boy was completely delivered. Grace needs access. It needs an access point to actually do what grace does. Lastly, in Mark chapter 6, verse 1 through 6, and I'll close with this part here. But it says Jesus left that part of the country, and he returned with his disciples to Nazareth, his hometown. The next Sabbath, he began teaching in the synagogue. Notice what is he doing? He's teaching in the synagogue. Faith comes how? By hearing. Believing comes how? By hearing. By hearing. So what did Jesus do? He spent a lot of time teaching. A lot of times people just think, well, that's a waste of time. God, would you just touch me? God, just do something in me. Hold up. You got to hear something so that you can believe something. So don't ever discredit, well, I'm not going to teach you. have got to read this verse again. Yeah, read it until you get it on the inside of you because this word was given so that you could believe something. Jesus continued to preach in the synagogue or teach, and many who heard him were amazed. They asked, where did he get all this wisdom and the power to perform such miracles? Whoa, look at this kid. Verse 3, then they scoffed. It's just another carpenter. The son of Mary, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon, and his sisters. They all live right here among us. They were deeply offended, <laughs> and they refused, believing is a choice offended is a choice but your offense will hinder your belief people live in offense thinking that it's their god-given right to be offended because somebody did something wrong to them 
well, so-and-so did this. I'm going to just stay there. Good, but you know what's going to do? It's going to hinder your believing, and then your living is going to suck. And you go, how did I get all the way over here? You could trace that back, go, and you let a fence get on the inside of you. Somebody said something. Somebody did something. Somebody didn't say something. Somebody didn't do something for you. It goes on and on. But I tell you this, this offendedness is going to cause you and I believing to be skewed a bit. So make sure on the inside of you, there anything that every, anybody ever says or does that you don't like, you got to get rid of that thing right away because the devil, that's a fish hook for the devil to get in there to screw up the way you believe. Therefore, I'm screwed up the way that I talk. I screw up the way that I live. And I go, God, where are you in all this? You got hooked by, by a fence. These guys, what do they see? We have the son of God in his hometown and they just go, well, we see him. We know his brothers, his sisters. Look, his sister's right over there. I think he made my table for me. Yeah, this guy's nobody. So they were deeply offended and they refused to believe in him. Jesus told them, a prophet is honored everywhere except in his own hometown and among his relatives and his own family. Yikes. Verse five, and because of their, because of they, did, they didn't perform properly? No. Their unbelief, because they choose to unbelieve. He, oh, this is a big one. He couldn't do any miracles among them except place his hands on a few sick people and heal them. So what's the problem? What hindered grace from operating and doing what grace wants to do? Unbelief. And what hindered a lot of the unbelief? Their offense. They're just so mad at what took place. Or wait, we know him. How could he talk to us like that? Wow. They're offended. So their belief is off. And Jesus now in this place, the power of God, the love of God, the goodness of God, all wrapped up in this man, Jesus Christ, was not able to perform all that he could have done in his own hometown. Do you think if anywhere Jesus wanted to heal and do good, it would have been his own hometown? Man, I've, man, can you, like, man, so-and-so, I know this person had this for so many years. Man, I know the power of God wants to heal. But I can't because of unbelief. Yeah. Belief is a choice. And verse 6, it shows like this. And he was amazed at their unbelief. Wow. So the same thing that we see what amazed Jesus in Matthew chapter 8. He was amazed at the Roman centurions, at, at his faith or at his belief. He's also amazed at people's unbelief. Yeah. Wow. The grace of God is literally there slapping you in the face going, hey, it's me, the great I am. I'm here. It's me in the flesh. And they go, can't believe that. And he went, man, he wanted to, but he couldn't do it. So now in closing, what hindered Jesus' grace from operating on their behalf? Their unbelief. How do you and I live now in these, these days that we're called to live in? In this software update, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, it says, For we live. How? Sorry, software glitch. Okay. We live. How? We live by... Come on, y'all. This is huge. This is... How do I live? How do I live my Mondays? I live by my believing... Not by my seeing. Now listen, this is the work of the New Testament. This is the call in this New, Dis New Testament dispensation, this day of grace. The work is to believe. Now you and I, 
It's very hard to believe God, really hard to believe in what grace has done if we don't spend proper time in the book we're supposed to believe. It can't be done. In fact, that's one of the, I think the the biggest problem in the church is you are trying to be like God apart from God. We're trying to be like him, but we have no word to back any of this stuff up and we just do it all in the name of Christian, calling it, well, I'm a Christian, everything will be okay. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says, if you are going to live a righteous life on this earth, expect persecution. Huh. Well, I don't like that part. It's Bible. So what do I do? I have to go back to the word. I have to really ingrain the grace of God on the inside of me. Am I living this life based on how I perform? Do, am I basing, you know, my freedom, my liberty from addictions, pornography, alcohol, Whatever, drugs, cigarette, homosexuality, the whole bit. Am I stuck in all this? Am I trying to get out of it by my own performance? Am I trying to pray because prayer is what Christians do? Or am I praying because I depend on him? All of these motives matter. All of this stuff. You have to just take the time to go, God, what do I really believe? Help me. Help me. Do I actually believe what your word says? He'll show you. He'll show you. Is it just lip service? Or you go, you know what, Lord, I, I, I need to ingrain myself on this. That's what I'm doing concerning grace. I am throwing myself into the grace of God. And Lord, unplant, unweed anything in me that is of myself. <laughs> and that's what my times of the Lord has been. It's just been going, Joel, that's you trying to get out of this on your own. Oh, okay, Lord. Man, I'm sorry. So what do I need to do? I repent. Lord, now teach me how do I, through your grace, live free? (sighs) That's the call. That's what he's called you and I to do. But it's impossible to get free apart from truth. So that's why we're in the word. Is this okay? We're all making sense here. So what's my work? What's our work? Believe. What do we believe? Okay, the word, but let's, let's be very specific on this. What am I supposed to believe? I'm supposed to believe. See, listen, that, that, that's good. I'm glad you, you probably did that on purpose. You knew the right answer, but you probably just gave a bunch of nice words. So thank you. This is a great teaching opportunity. Because you hear, renew your mind to the word of God. Sweet. What part? Well, you know, the part that Jesus died and he rose again. Great. But you have to narrow that down. What exactly am I supposed to change the way that I think on? And the way that I'm supposed to change now is from performance-based gospel to a Jesus-focused, centered gospel where I don't have to perform a thing to get God to do anything on my behalf. Because what we spend a lot of our times on, the majority of our prayers have been God If you can, then I will. Or if you do, then I will do this. It is such a backwards way of living. So what do we got to do? Upload the software. And I want to encourage you, like we saw in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 9. You have got to get your heart established in the grace of God. Every time you see in the New Testament the word gift, giving, you can substitute the word grace, charis. It's grace. It's so big. Some of you are trying to earn your healing. You can't. Some of you are trying to pray hard enough. God, if I can just, you know, I'll do that. You can't. Stop it. So what do I do? Oh, I know what. 
You've got to get to the place where you believe the gospel of grace concerning healing. So what do you do? Just throw yourself in the grace of God, hear everything you can about on the healing power of Jesus, and what's in? The word is able to make itself come to pass. This is how you got into the kingdom, but now we're trying to do stuff to try to make things happen for God. We don't need to do that. Financially. Did you know you're not supposed to work your butt off to try to make a living? Well, what am I supposed to do? Work is good. Don't get me wrong. It's not like we're just a bunch of bums living in our mom's basement playing Xbox. That's not it either. Of course we work hard. That's good. That's diligence. That's who we are. We work, we're supposed to work. But at the same time, my paycheck is not my source. So what do I have to do? I, I'm having a hard time believing that. Then you know what the Apostle Paul told us through the Spirit of God? He said in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, participate in this grace also. Meaning what? All of this, all the systems that we know naturally speaking can go up in flames tomorrow, but you and I are so ingrained in the grace of God concerning his ability to take care of what he owns, I can rest. How do I do that? You have to believe something. Well, how do I get that? You've got to get back into the book. You've got to hear the good word about God. He will supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I think some Christians would go, that's a nice verse, but I still got to work to really get some money in here. Really? If that's it, then you're stuck because guess who your source is? You. And you is screwed. Because <laughs> you don't have all the answers. You don't know all the ins and outs, all the turns, all the, ne the next war that's going to happen. You have no idea. So what do I do? Okay, Lord, I'm trusting in you. You are my source. Lord, help me, show me by your grace who you've been to me regarding concerning my finances. That's how we do this. All right, I'm done. Let's pray. Father, we do love you. And we are so thankful for your grace toward us, in us. Lord, your, your word says that you have lavished your kindness upon us. So again, this morning, sir, I'm asking you that you would give unto us a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the deep and intimate knowledge of you. Father, we ask you for, we need to see clearly your grace concerning every facet and detail in our lives, from how to be a spouse to our, to our husband or wife, how to be a parent, Father, to our sons and daughters, how to be a son or daughter to our parents. Father, we ask you for, this is all done by your grace, and we thank you for it. We receive it in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you for it, sir. You know, before we go, I just want to make sure if there's anybody here that has never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. There's grace for you, and it's saving grace. If you've never done that before, we're going to have our prayer teams up here because we don't want to make a spectacle of you, but we want to encourage you. Please come, and our prayer teams will talk with you. They'll share the gospel of God's love towards you because you are called to be in his kingdom. He wants you. You know, what's that guy, Uncle Ben or whatever? Uncle Sam, not Ben, wrong name. Uncle Sam, we want you, Uncle Ben. Uncle Sam, we want you. Well, how much the Father? We want you. I want you. So if you've never done that before, today is your day. So you make sure you do that.